This morning, we are going to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus. When I was in college, I was a part of a ministry. You all have heard me say this beginning phrase many times. You'll probably hear me say it many more. Um, But I was a part of a ministry called Campus Outreach, and I do thank God for. And one of the things that one of our leaders, one of the leaders I had there in that ministry, he would say every now and again, you must take a look around and see what is, look around and see things and then ask the question, what is the need of the hour? So I was thinking, here we have a break in John. What is the need of the hour? And this passage came to my mind. Paul spent a long time with this particular church. He spent, I think, around a little over three years with them. But he was very, very concerned that they be about the business of the church. He wanted them to know who they were in Christ. And he wanted them to grow. I have one statement I'm going to give you, and then we're going to work through six things in this passage. But I want you to keep this in mind as we work through this. Jesus Christ has given gifts to his church for preparation for growth and maturity. Jesus Christ has given gifts to his church for preparation for growth and maturity. Hear now the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, there is no power to do anything apart from you. We ask you to make this plain for us. We ask, Father God, that you would use us, build this truth into us, that we might be a church that is about the word of Christ here and in our homes and in the neighborhoods where you place us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are six things I want us to see. Six things that Jesus 
wants for his church. The first is a gift. The first is a gift. The first, the first thing I want you to know this morning is this. Jesus gave word-focused gifts to his church. Jesus gave word-focused gifts, word-focused gifts to his church. You see this in verse 11. And notice what they are. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Look at each one of them. The apostles. What were they? The apostles were men commissioned and sent by Jesus with his authority. He told them to go. He told them to tread on serpents. He told them to heal the sick. But the main thing he wanted them to do was to tell people about him. Tell the nations about Jesus, about the good news about Jesus, about the kingdom of God. They were given the very word of God. Jesus gave prophets. Keep in mind here, he is, he was, and he ever will be. He gave prophets, and who were they? They were men who spoke the word of God as God directed them. Men like Moses, Zechariah, Elijah, John the Baptist. He gave evangelists, men sent to proclaim the good news about Jesus to Jew and Gentile alike. People living in spiritual darkness, in separation from God, Jesus has given pastors and teachers, and here I like to join these two together. Pastors, pastors is the word for pastors is the word for shepherd. So there's a, a comparison being made here. Pastors care for herds of people, <laughs> a flock, a, a community of believers in the Lord Jesus. Jesus has also given teachers. What do teachers do? They give instruction to people. They teach, they guide, they mold, all with a purpose in mind. Jesus has given word-focused gifts to his church. Now, he's given some other things, but Paul here wants to emphasize the word, the ministry of the word. The context, of course, is the church. It's the body of Christ. And one thing to keep in mind here, he's, he spent a lot of time in Ephesus, had a lot of uh, worshiping of other gods there. The temple of Artemis was there. And he wants these people very well grounded, saturated, invested in the word of the Lord. Well, these word-focused gifts are intended from Jesus to his church. And that's for several reasons. One, the only way an unbeliever in God can become a believer in God is through the Word. does not happen any other way. It has to be through the Word. But there are other reasons listed here in our passage as to why Jesus has given Word-focused gifts to his church. Leads to the second thing I want you to see. Jesus wants his church equipped and built up. 
these, these are quite simple today. Jesus wants his church equipped and built up. He gave word-focused gifts to equip and to build. To equip and to build. To equip, give you a little technical definition. In this particular uh, word here in this passage, it means a process of adjustment. A process of adjustment that results in a complete preparedness. A process of adjustment that results in a complete preparedness. The ministers of God's word are given so that the saints, the holy ones, are prepared for the work of ministry. To equip means you have the necessary tools to address a certain problem. I'm going to fix, or rather I'm not going to fix it, but I'm going to put a new shower head in my shower. <laughs> but I've got to have the right tools to do that. One thing that I've always been very, very proud of in terms of fixing things, my granddad was a mechanic in his lifetime. He went to school, and he was a truck driver. But a starter had a truck. A starter went out on it, and I thought, what am I going to do? You know, I didn't have enough money to go pay and have it fixed. I was a poor seminary student. So what did I do? I had enough money to buy a new one, and I fixed it myself. But you know who had the tools? My dad. <laughs> I had to drive from Charlotte up to Wilkesboro. But I got the tools, and I was equipped to get the job done. Well, Jesus wants his church equipped to do the work of ministry. He wants the, the ministers of the word, the word-focused, gifted men, to equip his church for the work of ministry. What does ministry mean? Well, it's service, it's contribution, it's help, it's support. It's giving your life away in your respective areas of influence. I heard John MacArthur say it one time. He said a member of his church told him, now you know you need to go over and visit such and such who's sick and in the hospital. And he said, no. You need to go to the hospital and visit such and such who is sick. He said, the pastor's not supposed to do everything. We are all a part of the body of Christ, which is where I'm going. We're all gifted for a purpose. The saints, the saints, the holy ones, you are members of the church of Jesus. The saints are all of you who confess Christ to be the Son of God, the only Savior of the world and the King of the universe and the Lord of your life. Jesus wants you equipped so that you can do the work of ministry in your home, in your neighborhood, in your job, in the world. Well, word-focused ministers are also given to build up the body of Christ, and you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You who confess that Christ is Savior and Lord. And Jesus intends that his body grow. He intends for his body to grow. It's very interesting sometimes to hear people say, well, now, we don't want to get too high of a number. What? Where in the world did that come from? Jesus wants his church prepared, to, prepared for ministry, and he wants us to grow. He wants you to grow. He wants you to grow in maturity, and he wants you to grow in number. Not so that we can tick off we got more people, but so that the gospel, the good news about Jesus that people who live in darkness can have the light of Christ and come out of darkness, 
can become a part of our fellowship. Jesus' church is never supposed to be stagnant, never supposed to be self-absorbed, never selfish, never malnourished. Later in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul will say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of the Lord's might. Never your own, never your own, never my own, never Kurt's own. The agenda of every local church throughout the history of salvation is that our agenda is God's agenda. Never, never, ever our agenda. Our agenda is God's agenda, which means we have to change to be in conformity to God's agenda. It's God's business, you all. The church represents God's reality. The church exists to do ministry according to God's word in the world, in your home, on your job, in the grocery store, in the park, in your neighborhood. Sometimes I like to go, well, not sometimes, I go to the laundromat to do my laundry. And people think, what is wrong with you? Don't you have a washing machine in your house? Yes. But I like going to the laundromat for this reason. Sometimes I go because I can read and then I can get everything done at one time. But I also like to go because I get to talk to people. I get to talk to people. One thing is funny. Sometimes I go and I don't want to talk to people. I want to read. And people will come over and start talking to me. What are you reading? Why are you reading that? Everywhere we go, we are appointed by the Lord to do ministry. Every one of you are designed by God. Every one of you who are believers in Jesus, you are designed by God, you are gifted by God to do service for God according to your particular design, your particular personality, and your ability. Do you know what your interests are, your abilities are? What do you do well? Whatever it is that you do well, we we want you to be able to do that in the life of the church. Everybody can't come stand up front. Everybody's not going to come here and read scripture for the call to worship or uh, pray the confession of, of, of sin. Everybody's not going to do that. Everybody's not going to sing in the choir. But somebody can take a meal to someone who doesn't get out. Somebody can pick up the telephone and call someone who's not been here in a long time. What are your interests? that could benefit others according to God's standard of goodness and service. Kurt and I are here to equip you for the work of ministry. And you must hold us to that. Amen. We are here to build up the body of Christ. How? Primarily through preaching and teaching the life-giving Word of God. The third thing I want you to see is Jesus wants His church mature. Jesus wants His church mature. We see this in verse 13. This is what atonement, this is what the Church of the Atonement aspires to accomplish. We aspire to accomplish unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Oneness. Oneness of the faith. The specific faith, that which everything in the Scripture teaches about God and Christ. That's what we stand for. That's why we come and we gather, we worship this morning. We're not just singing these songs. They'll go up into the air and out into nothingness. We are praising our Creator. He's made us to be mature. He wants us growing. 
Jesus does not want his church divided. He doesn't want schisms among us. He wants us unified and unified in the faith. You know, when we want things our way rather than God's way, we're dishonoring God. And we dishonor each other. Jesus wants his church moving in the same direction spiritually, which is toward him and toward his purpose. He wants us to have unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. And I hope you see a pattern going on because he's reemphasizing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Unity of the faith that deals with knowledge. It deals with the information of the Scripture. It deals with trusting in him whom we can't see with the visible eye but he who comes to live within us spiritually. He wants us to be unified in our knowledge of the Son of God. We get that from the word. We aspire to accomplish mature manhood. Mature means completeness. means completeness. Jesus wants us to become mature, complete, and whole through the teaching and preaching and feasting upon the Word of God. One of my favorite text of scripture is Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. For he who began a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. He'll bring it to completion at the day of Christ. We aspire for the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus gives his ministers of the word to his church so that you can become identified with known by and defined according to the fullness of Christ at work in you. This leads to the fourth thing I want you to see, which is yet another reiteration. Jesus wants his church prepared. Jesus wants his church prepared. We see this in verse 14. Jesus wants you, his church here at Church of the Atonement, to be ready, to be prepared, to be built up, to be mature and complete, so that you will know good from evil. So that you will know righteousness from wickedness. So that you will know truth from lie. Years ago, I had, in in high school, I had a teacher that I I, I really admired her. She was a service-oriented person. I did not put this in here, but it, it fits. Anyway, I had to write an essay on a controversial topic. It was quite controversial. And I thought I did a pretty good job with it. I took it home. I read it to my grandmother. My grandmother said, son, have you really thought about what it is you're writing and why you're writing in that direction? I thought, well, well yeah, yeah. She said, no, you haven't. She took me back to the word. What I discovered was that I had been deceived. I had been deceived. So I rewrote the paper, took it back, and I talked with my teacher about it. And you know what? They both were nurses, and they both knew each other. And my teacher said to me, your grandmother is a good woman. Had to do with the issue of death and when we die. Jesus wants us prepared You know, it's a a parent's greatest desire to see their children grow up and go out and make good decisions, not bad decisions. Well, you take that desire and you magnify it a trillion, trillion times to the trillionth, trillionth exponent power. 
for all you math people out there. And that just begins to get a glimpse of that desire that Christ has for us as his church to grow up and to be mature and about his purpose to be prepared. Jesus wants you to grow up according to his standard, to his measurement of adulthood. We're not to be children that are easily deceived, gullible, quick to run to the lie rather than embracing the truth. Jesus wants you ready to deny and to reject false teaching. He wants you ready to deny and to reject human cunning, deceitful schemes. Are you prepared? Are your children prepared? You look around the world, you look around, the, 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 just watch the news, read the news on the internet, read it, watch it on television. There's always some other influence seeking your every desire, your every thought. And this is in my mind, because I think my mind, the influence that the church has, even amongst us, is quite small compared to the education we receive every day. Jesus wants us prepared. Notice the imagery Paul uses, tossed back and forth in the waves of the sea, carried about by the wind, describes people who are not anchored to something solid, secure, and firm. And you know who those people are. Because when trouble comes to your house, you lose your mind. Rather than being anchored, in Jesus. This leads to number five. Jesus wants his church to be like Jesus. Now you say, now Terrence, that's a little too simple. Yeah, it is. Jesus wants his church to be like Jesus. We see this in verse 15. The church speaks the truth. God's word is the truth to each other in love like Jesus. Now, have you ever done that? You ever went and gave some truth to a brother or a sister <laughs> in love? And they get so infuriated until you get out of their house that you ever come back? You might save them from hell by doing that. The church focuses on Christ. We grow up into Christ, who is the head of the body, which is the church. We speak truth to each other in love. I I'm reminded of Jesus telling Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? You know that got under his skin. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I did deny you three times. Do you love me now? <laughs> Feed my sheep. Give them truth. We are to attempt to try to pursue speaking the truth, being faithful to the truth, being honest about the truth, being honest about the faith as a collective unit, which means we've got to practice living in the truth as individuals. The collective group of us is a reflection of each individual part. Please never, ever, ever forget that. As the, truth, as the church speaks the truth in love, which pertains to love as the Bible defines love, then we are able to grow up into Christ. And I do want to remind you of what biblical love is. I think it's absolutely important. 1 Corinthians 13, 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Sometimes when I go out to eat with people, I, I'm, I'm very picky. And I insist on my way. <laughs> I got to stop doing that. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Hallelujah. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices with what? The truth. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And may I say this? That love is the Trinitarian love between God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit poured out into his church. The last and the sixth thing I want you to see is this. Jesus wants his church to be a body working properly together in love. Jesus wants his church to be a body working properly together in love. And this is in verse 16. Every person who confesses Christ as Son of God, become man, only Savior from sin, and the Lord of the universe is a part of the body of Christ, which is the church. And all of you who are in Christ have God-given gifts. Just yet again to reiterate, you've got God-given gifts that are given to you to benefit the church as a whole, which means don't sit on them. Don't hide them. Every individual member in the body of Christ is important to all the other members. Each of you have a role to play. It means every one of you matters. Every one of you matters. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Some people withhold from becoming members for a long, 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 long time. The body of Christ is one, and we are together. That's why we join local bodies of churches, is to be identified with the body of Christ here or in another place. You matter. You matter to the body. And Jesus wants us to work together. I mean, I can't say it any clearer. Paul compares the church to the human body. Why? Why? One hand, two hands. The body is the perfect design of God, and it works together. You think through all the systems, the skeletal, the circulatory, the muscular system, they all work together. They work in unison. Jesus wants his church working together in unison as each one of us have been gifted. When each one of you is equipped according to God's design and with his word, then you will work properly and the church will grow. The church, feasting on God's holy word, will be equipped, prepared, and will live in the light of God's instruction. And the church will build itself up in love. All six of these points, brothers and sisters, are God's intention for the church of the atonement. I mean, this is where we are. This is where we've been planted. And the Lord wants that here. Let us invest in the word of God so that we'll be prepared for the work of ministry. Let us invest in the truth of God so that we will mature. Let us invest in the instruction of Christ so that we will be the body of Christ. And I'll give you one very, very, very practical application. 
We could go to Sunday school. <laughs> I know some people think, well, I got better stuff to do. Or I'll go do my own thing. Well, you keep doing that. But the Lord wants us together and growing. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. And Father, I, I, I confess to you that in no way am I perfect. Am I a perfect pastor or preacher or teacher? But you are perfect. Christ is perfect. Your word is perfect. And we live in your grace. Your grace that you, you'll never stop pouring out on us. Thank you for each and every one of these people here today. And I pray, Father, that you would do all six of these things here in the life of Church of the Atonement. That we would be a unified people. We would be a people who invest in the Word of God. We would be a people who are mature we be a people who grow. we be a people who work together in love. I do pray that you would root out any divisions among us. Oh, Lord, and bring great reconciliation that Christ might be honored and exalted. We pray this, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.